What up, what up, what up everyone? That's a throwback, three what ups. We're here, episode 553 is here, and this is a recording from the B-Ball Breakdown live show with Coach Nick and yours truly, and shouts to the Combos Court sponsor, Prize Picks for a first deposit match up to $100, use code COMBO. That's right, use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100, Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And on this episode, Coach Nick and I discuss the individual NBA scoring surges and more. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you at our regular scheduled time on a Monday morning. We've got me, we've got Combo, uh, we've got NBA and everything else. So uh, thanks for joining us. Combo, how's it going today? It's going well. Played some basketball yesterday. Felt like Luca, like just passing it to my teammates. They couldn't make layups at the end of the game, but I dropped no. the equivalent of 73 when we're talking about a 24-point game, when game's 24. So shouts to me, oh. shouts to Luca. Well, we got to talk about that for sure because obviously Luca went off for 73. Do you get the sense that um, they're all looking at each other and they're all noticing 60, 63, or 7, whatever, and they all try and like Embiid and, you know, are they all trying to one up each other? Is that why they're kind of happening at the same time? That's part of it. I also think that the level of these players offensively in terms of skill set is higher than ever before, but I also think it's the low before the All Star game. Ah, interesting. Yeah. It also probably has something to do with who they're playing. I mean, you yeah. know, it's nice when you're Dallas and you go against Atlanta with, a, you know, the, a 27th ranked defense. Um, I When I went through the game, I did the breakdown. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. A lot of people were responding to it. Um, it, it felt like, uh, yeah, this is the this is the 27th ranked defense. Like they didn't really adjust. They didn't try and change much up. Um, and then at some point after 20 points in, in 18 or 20 points in 10 minutes, whatever it was, like you probably shouldn't be giving that player layups, right? He was getting layups that were really hard to fathom that 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 it would happen, and it kept happening. So it's crazy that he had seventy three because if you watch the fourth quarter, even though he had timely baskets and he was scoring, I mean, you would never thought he had seventy three if you just watched the fourth quarter. I mean, they were doubling him hard. He was passing the ball. Guys were missing easy layups. Uh, it, it was crazy. He was getting frustrated. So I think the first three quarters of having 65 in the first three quarters is even more impressive than having 73 on the game. It was just a ridiculous three quarters. Right. And to your point, like he probably should have had a 73 point triple double. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Insane. Right. Right. And if you added the, the assist points, he actually contributed a hundred points in that game. So, uh, right. and it, it did spark this notion of, will there be someone who scores a hundred points? The other thing I would notice about the Luca game, I probably need to watch it like in whole one more time to get the real sense of it, but it definitely didn't feel like he was, like, quote-unquote, on fire, right? Sometimes you get on fire and, like, you hit, like, four threes in a row and then you score another couple. Yeah. It just seemed like a very ho-hum. He came down, did his business, punched the clock, punched out, and had 73 points. That's a very interesting point because I took that away from comparing the Cat and Joel game. I just felt Joel was doing what he does, but Cat seemed absolutely in fuego for those first three quarters. That was the difference there. Like, Joel was just punishing them when he had to and he happened to score 70 somehow but like cat looked absolutely on fire like he was in the matrix oh for sure well you know this is great because we got to talk all about let's keep talking about that because i did the videos on those on that game as well on the cat game uh and we'll get to the uh, warriors and the uh lakers that was on saturday uh i posted a video by the way uh and and first of all if you uh want your questions answered the best way to do it is on youtube with a super chat it helps us keep this show going and we really appreciate it we'll give you lots of love and hype and put your question on the screen and all that stuff um but i just posted really quickly uh you know i, I tend to be a little bit wary of co uh, posting anything about lebron because either it turns into a thing about oh the jordan would never do that or um you know uh or or like for instance today and i and i welcome anybody who wants to come on we'll see maybe in the comments if you are one of those people 
So Clay Thompson down the stretch in the first overtime, I think it was, there was an ISO on top with um, with uh, LeBron James, and he's clearly forcing him to his left because he must assume, well, he's a righty, so I got to force him to his left. But in that ISO situation, which tends to, you know, get a, a jump shot because the rest of the defense is in the lane and they're kind of clocking things up, you kind of want to force, or you don't kind of, you want to force LeBron to his right because. Going to his left with the way his elbow would flares out a lot of the time, it's actually an advantage to LeBron to go to his left and pull up. He's in much more. And by the way, most righties are like that anyway, because it's a natural alignment to the basket. So that I don't know. I didn't really check the mentions, but it looks like people really got frustrated as if I was just, again, trying to talk uh, SHIT about a player or about LeBron specifically when I'm simply pointing out that, like, for him, going to his left is actually an advantage. Yeah. I mean, usually on your dominant hand, as a driver, you're more dominant when it goes to your strong hand, but as a shooter off the dribble, you're probably more dominant with the opposite hand when it comes to the dribble. Right. Yeah. Your body is already naturally more aligned. It's easier. Right. Whereas if you're going to your right and you're pulling up as a righty, there's a rotation in the air. It's just it's just a little bit of a harder shot, which is why like a shot like um, that Kyrie hit in game seven of the finals in 2016, like that's probably the hardest shot of all time to hit. The only thing that would make it harder. And by the way, Steph was right in his grill. So I would think the only thing that made that shot would have made that shot harder would be if it was even farther away, right? Like that's well, the only thing. That's as hard as you can make it on yourself. D book versus the Knicks. Oh, uh, now I'm forgetting which one is game that game winner. He go. He went even like more on a fade, and it was like even a little bit faster than Kyrie. Like he had his pedal to the metal. He goes right, and he wins the game off like a fade three with you know dribbling with his right hand. You know what I mean? Where he had to turn yeah. his body. But it, it looked it look easy for him. I'm sure he reps that out all the time. For sure. Well, at that level, you got to do something to make it harder on yourself because you're just nailing shots. Like right. you watch him, Michael Porter Jr. on the gun, right? And it's like it's almost like it's just a, a, a zen. He's not even, you know, conscious. He's just conscious. He's just nailing shot after shot. Yeah. Those guys it's, are 90 plus percent on those. So at some point, you got to make it harder on them. And I said, yeah, let's go to your right, pull up full speed from, you know, 28 feet and see how that goes. Um, so anyway, yeah, and I'd be more than happy to explain that or any other kind of thing about LeBron if you uh, if you want to come on the show and maybe we'll even do I mean I'll let somebody come on this time if they uh, if they behave um and see how that goes combo because you know it, it, it's a little frustrating. like I even posted one and LeBron had a pass uh, from half court to um, Delo that was I, I like could very well be the best pass I've seen all season long. Certainly in the full court, you know, he caught in a, in a one time different half court cross cross court bounce pass in stride, you know, right by the knee of uh, Wiggins. It was amazing. Um, and um, and like just the people who wanted to say, oh, wow, you're actually crediting the guy. It's like I give him plenty of credit all the time. And it's weird that, um, you know, I get these LeBron, you know, what can we call them? What can we call them? What's what's the acceptable way to call LeBron fans these days? What's the name? What's the term? Yeah, I'm not using that term. You're not going to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, I, but, you, but you know what I'm talking about. I would say, like, th these type of comments, it comes with the territory when you have a big platform, Coach Nick. So um, I'm seeing yeah, I'm seeing more and more hate myself. Like, it's funny. I'm sure you could be attacked for being anti-LeBron and pro-LeBron within the same month. Like, just people want to put you in a box one way or another. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And then, by the way, for the LeBron fans, or, okay, we can call them stands, right? That's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, stands. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, for those people, um, uh, you know, I just want you to understand that almost every big stars fans will accuse me of hating their player or hating on their player. Right. Right. right, right. It's not a, we're not a highlight show. I mean, if they, if they screw up and, and travel or something, I, I'll break it down or they miss a key shot or make a bad decision. I'll break it down. I'll, 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 I'll you know, in their Yeah, I totally agree with you. In their head, they feel like you're fishing for something negative about LeBron when in reality, you're just looking through the video and it's your analysis, your honest right. analysis. And it caught, it caught, by the way, the one, the reason why I shared it today was because it was one of those wide angles from the baseline. So you really could see how uh, the, uh, Clay's feet were and how LeBron moved like that. That was a special angle that really helped make that point. Even the one where, when LeBron was shooting and his eyes followed the ball and I, and I, that mm, yeah. one, you know, was destroyed my timeline. Um, you know, it, the point is, it, I, it didn't have to be LeBron. It could have been anybody, but because they showed LeBron and they left it on his on his face instead of following the ball into the basket, um, 
that that doesn't happen hardly ever ever. So you can watch the eyes and see how they follow the ball. Like that was the whole point of that whole thing. It really didn't matter. It was LeBron necessarily or anything like that. But just because it, you know they left it on him, I was able to use that clip and make it as a teaching point. But man, um, that the the whatever that point was went right over people's heads. Um, we have our first super chat. Let's get to that. Let's see what this one says. I haven't even read it yet from our friend of the breakdown, Alan Tran. Thank you so much, Alan. Great to see you out here. Really, really thank you. So generous. Uh, there's five active players in the 70-point club. Luca, Joel, Book, Donovan, Dame. Are players just more skilled these days, or is defense just bad? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So, shouts to Alan. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, come on, man. If you put these guys, what, in the 90s, where the defense was supposedly good? I mean, what if we just took a time machine and put them there? They weren't even guarding players out there, except like maybe like the Derek Harper hand check, you know, some guys were full court pressing, but in half court offense, most of the guys weren't even closing out that far, you know? Right. So, I mean, they would, they would get these numbers like D book in the nineties. Like he, he, right. he, he would have a 70 point game in my opinion. So I Maybe, think well, the only reason I want to interrupt you is the biggest problem is pace. Like they didn't play that fast um, back then. So they probably wouldn't have enough uh, possessions well, back and forth. Well, there was a time during like the TMC era, right? Where teams were scoring a lot. Um, I don't know if it was maybe late 80s or early 90s. What was that time when, like, oh, maybe it was 70s? 70s. Okay, 70s. 70s was faster, believe it, for a while. I don't. I think we've caught up for, to that even now. I think if you look at the possessions, I, I can check it while we're while Right, we're, like, like, like they were just taking terrible shots, like tough mid-range shots um, in that era, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it was in the seventies. There wasn't even an NBA. There wasn't a three until, point until, line so, until until, ni until nineteen eighty, right, or seventy nine. One of them when the three point uh, yeah. line came in. Uh, yeah, since the mer the merger uh, a little yeah. earlier than that. Right? Okay, so but, part of the seventies. But um, to answer the question, I think players are more skillful than ever before. I think yeah. that's what it comes uh, down to. Well, let's see. So the leading team in this year for pace is is the Wizards at one hundred three point three six. Uh, you know, uh, possessions. That's per game. Okay, right. That's the pace. 103.36. So if we go back, oh, I can't go back farther than, well, I can go 96, 97. And the leading pace there was 97.05 possession. So that, that's a pretty significant, uh, much slower. And I bet you it got even slower in the earlier 90s when it really was a slog. So that's one thing. But certainly the players are, are more skilled from behind the line, off the dribble, all of that, which is another, you know, even when, when the threat then emerges right now, you're talking about what you were saying about the closeouts, the closeout changes and it becomes much harder to guard. Um, and, you know, it, it's even you can load up more now. They have more lenient defensive rules to, to that, that you can kind of zone. Right. You couldn't do that back then. So you you would have a it's a mixture. Like in theory, the the individual ISO scores had a better time because it was only one on one generally. Although you you know they could figure some things out. Um, whereas here it might be even harder, and yet we're seeing it more. It's a conundrum. But either way, the the pace has no is no question a big uh, big part of this. You know, it'd be interesting in the mid season tournament next year. Let's go with those NBA rules, no zone. Oh, wow, and, and see what develops. Well, and the hand, one of them had the hand checking rule. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go to. Rules. Yeah, and see, like, and see if maybe somebody still gets 70. <laughs> wow. Did you just do that because you want to get that AI to take that little section and post it on your socials after we're done? Because <laughs> that's what it's well, for. That's a great one. Make sure you clip that one at 13 minutes. Um, got you. Yeah, we should go back to 90. And I hope I, I threw that in there. You get that. Don't don't cut me out when I said let's go hand-checking rules, too. We should go full 90s rules uh, with the illegal defense and, and hand-checking and, oh, maybe the fact that you don't get thrown out so easily for hard fouls. So what, what would the excuse be then? Like, oh, the defensive players are just, what, less athletic? That's not true. Like, less effort? I don't think so. Uh, like, what would be the excuse then? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so it's it, so – I, well, effort is interesting. I mean, I, I found D'Lo falling asleep on clay a few times where you're like, how can you do that in that game? Okay, um, yeah, fair. But, that, that's um, that's D'Lo. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I just think it's hard because these, these guys, are, everyone is so good now off the dribble. It's just really hard to be any kind of like, you know, ball stopper or, or not, well, it's not whatever the term is, uh, you shut, you know, lockdown defender because you're going to get blown by, right? And then you can't touch them. So that's going to be a problem. So I just feel like defensively, you're on ice a little bit there. You're like skating a lot just to, just because you're worried about following. Uh, they're so good with the ball manipulation. You could argue that like the carries are a little bit lax these days and what they're able to do with that. 
So uh, all of that is just, you know, the rules have been designed and the way they're calling the game has been designed for scoring. And I think everyone's a little bit frustrated with that at this point. Yeah, I totally you know agree. I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. Um, now, the interesting thing about Cat was Cat had to get benched because they basically were like, we're going to get you 70 points and we're going to ignore everybody else. We're going to slow the you know the offense down and, and you know not let anyone else in a rhythm and then maybe get some bad shots. Um, and then finally, uh, Finch had to put him on the bench in the crunch time for a little bit there. Um, and it was, uh, it was fascinating because, you know, that doesn't really happen. And then he tore him up in the post game. Who did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Finch. Right. Yeah. And I had some of those quotes. If you go see the video of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he want there's a certain right way to play. And I, I suppose, you know, when you want to respect the game, uh, yeah, you should play in the moment and not be feeding. Now, here's the thing. When a guy gets hot, you got to feed him. Right. Yeah. But I think it wasn't for the purpose of winning the game. It was for the purpose of let's see cat score 100 or something to that effect. And when you're doing that, you can sacrifice the team success if you go too far too deep into force feeding a player right as it did basically i mean you know that, that they didn't win the I game would, you know what i wonder in that luca game what if dejounte plays luca like that maybe from after the first quarter i mean and then they were like doubling and tripling him as well i, I think atlanta would have got blown out oh well um i mean DeJounte was a little bit better, like what we saw, because he didn't guard him much at all on, all on most of the scores that he made through the first three quarters, right? We didn't see him right. on him. Uh, and then the fourth, he was guarding him a little bit and like seemed like he did a little bit better. He denied him once or twice. Yeah, and oh, guys, were, really guys were shading but, off their own players, though. It wasn't only DeJounte, but yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, and so as a result, I, I just would have liked him to see do anything. Like, try di different things. It, there wasn't enough variation. There wasn't enough adjustments in my mind to, you know, by the way, there are some times you've got to knock him to the ground, right? Take a hard foul, disrupt his rhythm. Maybe he'll retaliate. You know what I mean? You have those are the kind of things you need to do when a guy gets Fair. to fifty Fair. points in three quarter, whatever it is. Take a hard foul, put him on his seat. You don't have to hurt him. Everybody, you should know how to be able to, you know, cut a guy off. And, and then there's there's chest to chest contact, and he fought whatever it is. Um, I, I would have thought that they somebody should have done that. They could have blasted him more. Although I did also show that there are, um, you know, the the the, the lively. Um, uh, gravity that he has is no joke, right? Like he gets those lobs and dunks. He's a, he's a really you good saw player. Hella just like literally, like like just kind of having reaching out to Luca, but like five feet away from him because he didn't want to lose contact with uh, with Derek Lively. Um, and so you know the the Mavericks understand that and they know how to kind of attack that. I, I did like the fact that there were moments when they they did double him once and they would hit the short roll and boom 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 they were ready to go and got a layup off of an excellent cut. Like they are well designed to get that and, and cause havoc. And if when, once Kyrie comes back, then they're going to be you know that much tougher to guard. Yeah, lively is to Luca as Capella was to Harden. Um, I think yeah, yeah, okay, okay, absolutely. I was going to yeah. say, does Lively have any better, more offensive skills than Capella? Uh, but, you know what? You know what? His passing is actually – I see some good stuff from him as a passer. It's not great yet, right. but he, he's a, he's a, probably a better playmaker than Capella. I got to go study some of that film. I want to yeah. see what, if it's not a Lively. I mean, also, also he's, he's taller, a lot taller, which makes his ceiling higher, you know? Uh, I guess so. I mean, how much taller is he? I, if I have to guess three inches. In the comment section, tell us. Three, four inches. Okay. All yeah. right. Or you could, you could Google uh, it. Google it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could Google it. You can Google it. We can all Google. It, but whatsoever. Well, I'll, I'd rather be in the in the in the, in the fog of uh, not knowing and let it be a you know a excitement and mystery. Uh, we have another super chat. Let's get to V's. Thank you so much, V's. Very very appreciated. Great uh, to have you here and be part of the conversation. He asks, "How do you feel?" Uh, excuse me. They ask, "How do you guys feel about AAU free freelance philosophy seeping into professional basketball? Much of the foundations of hoops is becoming a lost art." Mm. Well, I, I will say this. I mean, the NBA uh, doesn't necessarily have uh, – I mean, the, the offensive schemes and the way they attack now, it seems to me a lot more like like a throwback. You know, the pistol action 21, all that is from the 40s and the 50s. So I feel, I feel like we're seeing the mixing of uh, incredible individual skill with the movement patterns for the most part. I, I would say half the teams, you know, get into that well and are able to run – Good offense with motion for the most part, unless you're like heliocentric stuff, uh, like a couple teams with uh, with like Luca, for instance. But even them, they they'll run stuff that's pretty nice as well. So I'm not so sure we've seen the complete AAU thing that's seeping to the NBA game. I guess I will say there are moments in every NBA game where the where the teams go back and forth missing threes. 
right? And that sort of starts to feel disjointed, right? Like a, they're kind of forced threes are not great. They're brick. And then they go back and then you get two or three of those in a row or four in a row. Then it starts to feel like that. But it seems like it's still pretty rare. What do you, what do you think, Combo? I mean, that's more the Warriors influence, analytics influence, Mori ball influence, even European basketball with bigs that can stretch it influence. Um, I don't know if that's much AAU than vice versa, but I think AAU, you know, the freelance philosophy, as V said, seeps more into the players that don't even make the NBA because they're trying to do things that they can't do. And it kind of hurts themselves as a basketball player in a lot of ways. Right. So yeah. I, I think it's hurting basketball as a whole. And maybe when you get to the NBA and they're the best of the best, I mean, you want your best players to have that skill set of freelance, right? Like you need your best players to have that. So I don't know. I think it, it's kind of hurting grassroots basketball than more than the NBA. Once the best players are moving forward and the worst players are weeded out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now the other thing is they don't practice that often, right? Maybe AAU teams practice once a week, twice a week. I mean, NBA doesn't either, but yeah. Fair enough. So as a result, like what offense are you going to be able to run? You're going to have to run some sort of read and react freelance thing. So yeah. that's probably the biggest issue. If like, if I were doing the AAU program and running and the head coach and, and they were good players, I would, I would need like at least two practices a week, at least. And I would want to make sure they're running, they are running an offense that has, you know, read and react principles and things that everybody can, you can jump into. Uh, but all that pistol, all the get actions, all those things would have to be so we're all on the same page and you can get like a two or three guys interacting on automatics. Well, that it will then open up stuff for everybody else. But um, it's really, really hard, I have to imagine, with the practice schedule to get it. And as a result, here we are. Um, you know, when I, when I was coaching in the late 90s, AAU wasn't really a, even a thing like that. Like you, the, the, the high school team was still the more important place to get your exposure, believe it or not. You might not remember this, but that's how no, it was. Yeah, but I mean, early 2000s, AAU was pretty big because the high school teams were pretty good. But then all the best players from those high school teams would play together and make like dominating AAU right. teams. And, and I think that was even, you know, before my time, like the Ron Artest and the Seth Marbury's from – from that era, like they used to all play together on like Gauchos and Riverside Church. So, I mean, those were AAU teams all the way back then. Yeah, but I, that was still 2000 or post 2000, I think. No, no, no. Not, not Marbury, you know. Right. But it, even still, like, you know, the, the the high school team was still sort of the place where you wanted to focus and play and get your exposure up until uh, probably uh, right around like the 2000, 2001 era. And then, yeah, then it explodes into AAU and then the, the outsized influence of, of that. Um, to the point now where, yeah, it's like the high school teams, it's like, yeah, you know, you're going to play there, but well, oh, I mean, my coach is going to force me to, well, <laughs> to run offense and like, all that stuff. And I think some players respond to that well. And I think that the college coaches still like that when they're trying to, to scout. But um, clearly, what AAU is now taking over on that at front. And, uh, and again, that style, um, it, it is concerning to some degree. Uh, but at the very least, for me, if I go through the teams in the NBA right now, I, I mean, I would say there's. Uh, maybe a third or maybe less than a third uh, that that really don't run the kind of offense that we would want to be able to see. Uh, and the difference with the bottom 10 teams uh, are, you know, the finishing. They're just, they don't, they're not as good at finishing as the other teams are. And so they're, you know, but they're running some of that stuff. But, uh, but I hear you. It, it definitely is a concern. And a lot of this comes down to the coaching, right? Like I think a lot of coaches these days, I'm not going to, it's definitely not every coach. There's a lot of great coaches out there. They're either living vicariously through the players or they're trying to make money off the players. And you just want to, you're just almost there to showcase their talents instead of trying to make them better basketball players. Exactly. Um, right. Well, by the way, the other thing about making people better basketball players, like, you know, you'll hear D1 coaches big time say, I'm here to win. I'm not here to train my players to play in the NBA. But I don't see how those two things are different, why, why they have to be competing. Uh, you should be training your players to be as good as they possibly can individually. You know, what's the, what's the point of running this offense that you're trying to run if they're not, they don't have the skills to run well, it. So. Uh, like, like maybe like Kyle Kuzma, he benefited playing the four or five in college when maybe the coach could have had him playing the three, what he'd be playing in the NBA, but it benefited him most for that team to play more in the post. Interesting. Interesting point. And I believe I did a video on him as well. I did, yeah. I did one that covered him and, uh, Maybe Donovan Mitchell. Like, why? Why did we didn't see their ability in the uh, in college after they did it in the NBA? Um, I, I hear you. Um, I just feel like if you find an, a, a position that Kuzma would play, that would that would um, ex, you know give him the best chance to succeed at Utah. Is it Utah? Isn't that where he played? 
Yes, I think yes. Um, the Utah Utes. It goes to show that, like, it seems to me like then you would still you'd be good offensively. Certainly, you know, if you need to play the four or five defensively, okay. But uh, but offensively, I feel like let's unlock the players as as much as, much, as well as their abilities can lock. That should help you, <laughs> even if you have a different team. I guess I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, but it's a good point. I, I hear you. Let's get to another super chat we have from King Jaffe Joffer. Great to see you. Thank you so much, King. Uh, thoughts on Kentucky's new big Zvonimir Ivisic. 7-2 shooter handling the ball in the open floor around the back passes in first game. I was stunned. I have not seen him. I am upset, but now I need to watch. Have you seen him? Yeah, I mean, very talented offensively. Just the only thing would be like, I, I would love to ask King Jaffe Joe, maybe he could let us know in the comments issue. Like, how does he feel like he would fare defensively at the next level? But obviously, he's super talented. Is he is he big and, and heavy or is he skinny and tall? In between. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I'm gonna watch this. Okay. Ivisic. I hope I said that right. If it's yeah. Ivisic, Ivisic. Um. Anyhow. All right. So sorry. I I don't have an input, but thank you for being there with us, uh, combo to give us a little bit of a breakdown. Um. You think he's a, he can pass the ball? You've seen some of this? Yeah. He's a very skilled big man. Yeah. What is Kentucky even like? Are they good this year? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got um, they got they got the kid Dillingham is gonna. He's going to be a, probably a – he really helped the stock this year coming from um, overtime elite and now playing in college. So they got a lot of good guys. All right, they're ranked sixth, and they're 15-4, and 10-1 at home, um, and 3-2 and two on the road. I mean, uh, okay. He's, he's, you know, so ta- he's, cal- he's probably – I mean, Avisa's probably go um, lottery, though. Okay. Yeah. And he's a, is he a freshman? I guess. We'll, I, I guess think so. Good. I think so, yeah. All right. All right, all right. Good, good, good. Good to see. Um uh, he's only played a few games, according to Cheeto. All right, well, I, I mean, I'll have to fire that up and uh, and check out what what they got going. So, thanks for the heads up on that. Um, let's talk a little bit Warriors and um, and Lakers. Let's might as well get into that uh, double overtime game. And uh, I will say this: um, neither of these teams strike me as championship teams right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like that seems clear. I think uh, I think the one thing the Warriors might have unlocked a little bit is that they've realized, you know, with LeBron where he is in his career. They can, I mean, and by the way, Clay guarded him back in the day as well, but they have Clay and they have Wiggins. They have two guys that can really kind of guard him. And they also have AD, uh, sorry, uh, Draymond that can guard AD. That seems to work out okay for the Lakers. Well enough where they could build a 15-point lead in the third quarter. Um, And then, you know, and they've done this before. They had an 18-point lead against uh, the the Nuggets in the the second half. Um, So the Warriors are confusing to me because you can't just, like, build huge leads against these good teams um, without being good and not have without having some recipe that you can uh, flow to that could make you a competitive team, and they're doing it without uh, CP3 and um, without Gary Payton the second. Uh, now Pajemski has been a, uh, just a, a, a revelation for them, and I almost feel like maybe CP3 is a little bit more expendable on that end, or if he goes down, it's okay. But I do feel like GP is a guy that they could really use. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, CP, we've talked about the CP3 fit there for a long time, even though, like, he was doing some good stuff in his veteran way off the bench. But, I mean, going into the playoffs, I don't know how he really fits this team when your best players are going to be playing a lot because we never felt like he's the greatest fit with Draymond and Steph Curry, right? So, um, but on the other hand, he has no value trade-wise. Maybe, what, an expiring contract? Is, is this Yeah, uh, who, no. CP3? Yeah. No. No, yeah. no trade value. I, I mean, mean they, know, they're going to – all the teams in a trade are going to be asking for pods, you know. They're, they're going to try and get him in it if there was some kind of trade. So, right. we'll see what yeah. develops. And and, by, and he's, just, he's, just, he's just very solid. He's like very solid. He can make yeah. terrific passes. He's big. He's probably more like uh, mobile maybe uh, defensively than CP3 is now. Oh, yeah. Uh, but CP3 might ultimately be a little bit more experienced and better at, at the on the defensive end, but he's also a lot shorter, right? VP is a 6'5", I think, right? Yeah, he's 6'5", and he's stronger than he looks. Like, he could hold up yeah. on defense, yeah. Yeah, so so that he, they might be able to get more run from him than they would maybe on a half-broken-down CP3. But because, again, you have to kind of assume, unfortunately, I don't normally do that, but at this point, you kind of have to assume that CP3 is going to be banged up and injured and, you know, not there all the time. And that's, that's unfortunate, but that's sort of been – an inescapable pattern for years now for him. So, um, but I do think that GP just gives him a little bit more of a dimension, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, on the, on the defensive end for them. He's like, he's like their Bruce Brown. Yeah. And, and, and it's possible that, you know, they can finally figure out how to unlock, uh, get Wiggins sort of back on track mentally and it just better focused. And if they can get him, you know, we've seen it, he's proved it at the championship level. 
uh, they have something. Now, let's talk about the Lakers for a second. Like, do they have something here? Uh, D'Lo, by the way, uh, almost lost the game for them, by the way. He had uh, they, they had one pick and roll. And by the way, it was nice to see LeBron was facilitating, letting him have it, saying, hey, you run the offense, you be the guy. And he ran a pick and roll and, like, basically threw the ball away. Um, oh, this is are these are Laker fans telling me something when my the, the sign starts to fall off the wall in the middle of this, but uh, throws the ball away and somehow it gets tipped and it should be a steal and it goes right to AD for a layup. I mean, that was lucky. The next time down, he does throw it away and almost the same kind of play, uh, but then comes back out of nowhere to dribble the ball up and hit a huge three when they were down maybe like four to cut it to one, something like that out, out of the blue. Like it was one of those no, no, yes shots. And, uh, and, you know, he, but he's been just fantastic for them over the last six, seven games. Uh, after that moment where he was upset, we talked about it, like maybe they thought they were, he was going to get traded. So I don't think they can lose him. They, they probably need him because they don't have anybody else that can replace that. Yeah, I mean, D'Lo is one of those guys. And then he hit a huge three in transition, right? I mean, that was a dagger. But he's just one of those guys that could get up a clean look whenever he wants. And you need players like that, especially in the playoffs. Like when everything's going awry, like, D'Lo could get up a shot. And also the playmaking is pretty good, man. He's a pretty good passer. He's, he, he could be a connecting piece in some ways. So you always want more good passers, more shot makers on the floor. And he brings that value, even though once in a while he'll make a boneheaded play. Right, exactly. And like that's the whole thing is you have to hope that he gives you a lot more than the boneheaded plays take away. Yeah. And for the most part, when he's doing what he's doing, that, that no question. But it can be frustrating. And you're talking about being a title team. Uh, you know, it's, do you want someone who's all over the place like that? That's the only question but they but you know he's proven himself uh well enough i think he could do it i feel like this um bubbling trend on x and instagram is like try to compare uh d'lo and austin reeves and who's the better player and who's the worst player do you see that as well um yeah i mean i, I see everything i see it, it's just a cesspool of, of everything and and you know and and people from one second to the next want to either you know d destroy you or praise you it doesn't matter you know what you did before i thought, I thought, I thought we got past this coach oh you're oh you're talking about the players i'm talking about the, uh i'm talking about well i'm talking about like on twitter for instance that you're talking yeah. about the response and stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But, uh, so so we're looking at those players like who if you're the lakers who would you rather keep in like a trade for whoever it may be a DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine. Like, who, yeah. who, who would you try to keep out of those two? Between DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine for the Lakers? No, no, no. In terms of, like, who would be untouchable? Who would be more untouchable for you between Reeves and D'Lo? Oh, 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 oh. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was really high on Reeves, and then he's really kind of struggled to find that same kind of role that he had and what we saw, you know, last year and then in the Team USA. Um, I don't know though, because yeah, D'Lo is scintillating and um, can can more, really make more, plays that he that Reeves certainly can't. Yeah, he's but more. Then, he's more. It's fair to say he's more talented. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, you uh, gosh, it's tough, and then we have to talk about defensively. I don't even know. I'm not sure. I guess I'd have to see what the the deals were, then have to figure out whether it'd be worth it to lose one of those two. But you have to imagine they're they're probably going to trade one of those two, right? And I'll and, and Vanderbilt become is becoming the savior all of a sudden. Have you noticed this? Like Darvin Ham is is getting criticized up the wazoo. We see in the in the you know Ryan has a comment now about it. Um, as soon as Vanderbilt checked in, we we, we all forgotten that uh, last year, like Vanderbilt checking in or playing with the other guys made it so hard to run their offense because they just he was so completely ignored that uh, it, it was it was a little bit unviable. And they've been criticizing Darvin Ham up to, up the wazoo because he's not going to that that lineup. Um, and then all of a sudden, we've seen this year, the last couple of games, we've seen a, that lineup perk up a little bit and play well, but then he won't go back to it. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm old enough to remember that Vando was a problem for them, like certainly offensively, that wasn't a, an optimal lineup. We're all old enough to remember that, Coach Nick. Are we? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> we have another super chat. We have a couple. Let's get into it. Let's go. So Carlos Gutierrez, thank you so much, Carlos. Really appreciate it. What do you feel is the most inconsistent called, not called foul in the NBA? Um well, I think the most um, uh, misunderstood one is the block charge. I think that we saw one that LeBron tried to take a charge in, in overtime or double overtime against uh, Kaminga, and he was all upset, and Laker fans were upset. But you know that was um, that was um, a clear block. Like he was not, you know, in front of the of the driver. He was to the side of him and caused the contact. Uh, so that that one's the most like uh, misunderstood rule. But the inconsistent called not called foul the most. I don't know. Do you have a take on this one? 
What do you feel is the most inconsistent called, not called foul in the NBA? I mean, the block charge is always debatable, right? I mean, that's a simple way to answer this. Yeah. But, but either... I think they get it right a lot of the time. Okay. That's fair. You know, it looks like they want to know what which is the one they, they miss more often. Um, you know, I would say that there's some traveling going oh, on. How about how about off the ball? But I mean, in fairness to the refs, like you can't call all, all the off the ball stuff, or there wouldn't be a game. Yeah, and then you know, I, I, off the ball with the spacing we have now is is as much of an issue. The only time I see off the ball problem is like with Curry coming out, know, going off ball to get screens, and then just man. Yeah, but I mean, you could say that for Kevin Herter, for Duncan Robinson, like all shooters probably are getting fouled, you know, more yeah. than they're getting credit for. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of pushing off that they don't want to call either. That, that yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the traveling stuff to me, like, you know, like LeBron uh, also, here, here we go again, but, you know, he'll he'll split his feet after the catch, right? He's got his pivot foot established, and then he'll split both feet, and then he'll, he'll accelerate. That's a, that's an advantage that's too far. Right? You shouldn't be able to get that kind of an advantage to get going. Now, I probably get the kind of uh, thing you were talking about whenever you say something about LeBron. It's like you're anti-LeBron. But when you look at Steph Curry's feet before he shoots, is he ever traveling? Well, are you talking about the step backs? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like he goes like some kind of like one, two and a hop in a way. I don't know. Like you, oh. watch, you watch Steph shoot a lot. You study him a lot. So that's what yeah. I was asking you. Well, the thing with the one, two and the hop is like, okay, you can catch the ball the foot down, take a step and then hop, you know, onto both. And you can actually go, I, let me think here. Uh, you can go take it. You catch the ball with the left foot down. You can go right, left hop because the first step is the, is the gather. And then you have your, then your second step would be the pivot. And then, yeah, that would be a travel. Yeah, he probably he might a little bit, but I don't. I think and he's pretty can, good most of the time. And you cannot call that like just for the entertainment aspect. You just can't. Oh, well, I mean, you know, in the flow, if it happens really quick, they can't quite catch it. They're not going to call it. They don't see it. So they want to I know mean, yeah. it correctly. But I don't see Curry traveling too much on those on those catch and shoot ones coming off of pin downs. I, I think you know the one time he gets a little bit happy with the feet is the uh, is those step backs. But he's been he's cleaned that up too because he was getting called for that a little bit and as he should have. Um, but, um, but you know, uh, that I don't know. So I, I, but I think that there's some follow, there's some traveling stuff I see there that could get cleaned up a little bit. Um, you know, but I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time trying to defend the refs and they actually explain why they're correct in their calls. And then I'll give them video evidence. Like for instance, there's a Booker drive that everyone was upset about that. He took a dive. Did you see this one on Twitter? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, you can clearly see that, uh, Suggs tri trips him. He kicks his back foot as he's driving. And I'm like, you, you know, if you don't want to see it, you don't see it. But then if I show it to you, so I did on Twitter you know, today, this morning, I'm like, okay, I will show you the video where you can clearly see him kicking the back foot and tripping him. But mm -hmm. only if you then say that you will respond to that tweet and say, okay, I now see it. Thank you. Or something. I wanted them to acknowledge it. And they won't. They won't even reply to that one. So I didn't give them the, the, the review, the video uh, replay, because it's like. I don't know. I get tired of of showing them and explaining why something is, and then they just go away, and then they they, just, they probably don't even want to accept it anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some conversations are a waste of time. Yeah. Now let's get to Ryan Skolnick, who uh, had the great comment earlier about Vando. Can you talk about how the Lakers basically look like two different teams in this game? The moment Vando checked in, the Lakers looked so different. Um, you know what? I gotta wrap my head around that because I'm watching it, and I got to you know picture like when does he come in? How does it? How is it? How, how, how has I'd like to ask you? How has um, Vanderbilt shooting numbers been this year? Um, let's look. Let's look. Um, Vanderbilt. And then I know what? Coach Darvin Hab wasn't happy about the lineup questions after the game. He said he had to go drink some wine or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's not shooting threes, so, you know, he shoots, doesn't shoot them well. He won't shoot them. He's cutting. You know, that that's working for them. I'm looking right now for when Bando would come in here. I, I'm kind of curious, when, when you say something like that, like, who does he come in for? So the lineup was the starters last night or on Saturday were Reeves, Russell, Prince. So the, to, everyone's upset about Torian Prince starting as if he's got, like, naked pictures of Darvin Ham, and that's why he keeps playing more than he should. But uh, And then A.B. LeBron – you know, that's what that's a, you know, it's, it's it, there's something that, you know, this isn't necessarily the case, but there are times in the past where I've seen like, why does this guy keep playing? Does he have blackmail on the coach? Like what, what is going on? But anyway, I'm sure he doesn't have those pictures. That was a joke. Um, so let's see LeBron AD uh, and Reeves and then Christy and Vanderbilt come in for D'Lo and uh, Prince. 
So, you know, I, I, I got to study that to really look at it. But, like, you know, is, is Vando better than – like, Prince probably had a reputation as, like, being a defender, but I don't really think he, he is. I mean, Prince – Prince is not – he's not the greatest athlete, but he's a lot more skillful than Vando. Like, he's a good uh, basketball offense, player. Yes, but, yeah, yeah. so defensively that's going to change. And certainly, you know, off, uh, when you get – you take um, um, uh, D'Lo out of the game, the defense will pick up. Christie Christy is a lot, a lot of energy on defense as well. So that's one reason why you but, see it even, like, just visually on the, on, the, on, the, on the court. But let's see. When Vanderbilt came in the fourth quarter, let's just say – uh, what was the, the lineup before that was starters. So same idea. He comes in. Oh, but they let, they let D'Lo out there and they took uh, Prince out. Yeah, that was the difference. So you're probably seeing some differences there where there's energy and uh, and he's bigger and, and longer than Prince in a way that that can have more of an effect. Um, so I would have to say that's a big issue. I got to like kind of study frame by frame to really look at what, if there's a feeling and a palpable notion of like energy or whatever, but certainly um, – yeah, and then I think you may even mention Ryan in the in the um, in the comments that this I want to study as well. Uh, if Vando is not just being stashed in the corner where his man can help or in the dunker spot, uh, if they figure out a way to make him more you know um, integral to the offense where his man can't gum up the works, then great. Then that would be something that that would be important uh, that would help them because again, yeah, defensively um, that's probably the best lineup they have uh, with Vando in there to balance everybody else out. So. Um, yeah, uh, th there's no question they probably need to go to that. I would say that if there's a failing across the board with uh, NBA coaches, uh, it could very well be lineup management. It def definitely feels like they don't, there's just not enough influence of the lineup data in who they're playing. And in my mind, you should have an AI on the, on the bench where it will just in real time crunch all the numbers, the score, the time of, you know, who's out there, the time of the quarter, uh, who's out there for the other team. And it should be able to give you the optimal lineup in any second to, to be able to sub in for. So I think that that should be the future. And, um, and I don't know why they haven't had that yet. Uh, yeah. I mean, AI is going to change the world. So it already has actually. Yeah. And then Ryan's got a good idea for a video where he wants how, how non shooters can uh, be useful on offense. That's a good one. A good one. Cut. Let me um, get that down. Yeah. Thank Cut you, it. Ryan. I'll show it here for a second. Um, let me, uh, where do I, I write mean, that the, down? The biggest one would be cutting through space. Another one would be setting screens. Another one would be attacking the boards, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, do you say cutting through space was the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly cutting, you know, like 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 uh, you can look at uh, Draymond, for instance, who they use him a lot in handoffs uh, just to force his man to be active and be part of that. But like, you know, in that game, they caught they ran a beautiful set as a uh, roll to Kaminga off of, a, I think it was a pick and roll for Steph. And Kaminga makes the right play by kicking to the wide open man in the corner. Well, the reason why that man was open in the corner and AD helped off so much was because it was Draymond who did take the three and bricked it. So that's the problem where you got to be careful when you have where you have Draymond, because in my mind, you probably could have had I would have had Draymond involved in the pick and roll part. So he'd be the one kicking to somebody, a shooter in the corner. Um, but, you know, there's there are ways to figure out how to get like Clay going to that corner and forcing Clay's man to have to rotate, because if he doesn't rotate, then Kaminga gets a dunk. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? That That's the difference there. So you got to have Draymond much more involved in the actual on ball play to force the advantage to begin with. Um, and you know, that, that caught them. I mean, listen, the Warriors also, you know, took a foul when there was a five second difference in the overtime or maybe it was regulation, but they didn't need to. And it gave them an, uh, a three point lead, the Lakers, and then they had to tie it. Now, someone mentioned in the, in the, um, in the, uh, comments about the WTF play that they ran to get clay and open three, just beautiful, beautiful run where they, um, actually that one, I don't know if it was a WTF. I think the other one they did, they, they ran it for Steph. Uh, and it was the one where, um, oh, the inadvertent whistle. So the referee struggled all night long, right? And there was some weird stuff. They called a uh, a, a, um, a lane violation on Draymond when, you know, it didn't really affect the play at all. Like he stepped in half a second early. That was weird that they called that and gave uh, D'Lo another three, another free throw. And that same referee, like the next time. Oh, and by the way, it was it was such a troubling call. I suspect that the other ref the next time down called a travel on AD. That was not yeah. a travel. Yeah, you know, he literally caught it, put the ball down in one motion, and and drove. There was there was not even close. And I, I I truly think that that was a makeup call for for the uh, the lane violation. But then that same referee that did the lane violation called um, an inadvertent whistle on a on a clay three in the left corner that was crucial, and they had made it into a jump ball. 
So, um, and I believe the Lakers won the jump ball. Now I forgot, but I have to check it again. So um, those things are really, really interesting uh, when you talk about um, how Island Mountain Trial got to that point. But it, the refs, whatever. Um, oh, I know. Uh, taking that foul, they didn't have to do that. That was very costly. Um, but either way, uh, we got a chance to see Kerr draw up some great sideline out of bounds plays. Really, really great stuff. Oh, I know what I was going to say. On that, um, sorry, on that um, inadvertent whistle, Curry does a WTF play, which if you don't know what that is, it's Curry sets a back screen on the inbounder from the sideline and then comes around for a handoff. Um, so Curry gets sets the back screen and the and the guy cuts the basket and both like D'Lo and um, Mando go to the cutter, leaving Curry wide open, ball by himself. But what Curry ended up doing was cutting towards Draymond instead of going straight out to the wing and that let AD come over and block that shot. You remember that? And they got the rebound again, and then they, they get the inverted whistle. So little things like that, you don't normally see Curry usually reads that a lot better. He should have, and just gone out to the three point line instead of curling closer. So all those things uh, are, are, are a thing, but uh, the bottom line is for me, the Warriors, I think if they're completely healthy can compete with those top teams. Um, the Lakers uh, are still, you know, a big question mark for me. I think I mean they're both big question marks, but um, we also have to give LeBron his credit because everybody who's attacking you for being a LeBron hater, he he did hit two clutch free throws and had a triple double, uh, the clutch free throws to win the game and had a triple double. Yeah. And it's always great to see Steph and LeBron still playing at a high level all these years later. Um, LeBron is oh, only, yeah, LeBron is the oldest player in the NBA, and his ability to still compete like this is just absolutely fantastic. So uh, you know you got to enjoy these guys while they're here. But oh, for and the free throws were huge. And but because by the way, he has very little experience with free throws of the game on the line like that. Interestingly enough, for a guy of his stature, and I think one of the reasons is, is because he'll make the right play more uh, all the time in a way right, that right. If he gets double ever. He's going to pass the ball to open teammates, and he's gotten crap for that in, in, for, for no reason at all his entire career. And it just happened again this year. And I remember have to remind me who it was. He kicked it out, whatever, and they were whatever. But then he kicked it out. That maybe it was Dilo. It was somebody, uh, somebody who hit the game winner two days later. Out uh, of that same, you know, notion of like, let's get him reps now, so that they're either, they're prepared to make the game winning shot when they need to. So, um, but it was great to see LeBron hit those two. Those were as clutch as you can have uh, to win the game. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, that was it's it. Not- was yeah, and it's not like one of those things where like he forced it in on the free throw line. Like it looked like a free throw that he would take in the first quarter. Like that was real, like I like easy, you know, like nothing. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you know, I think we're gonna wrap. We'll wrap the show up in a few minutes here. Uh, what else do we have on a cover before we uh, we get to that? Anybody super chats want to get in there? You better get them in now. Um, but oh, so Golden State won the jump. All right, so at least they got uh, on that inadvertent whistle. They got the ball back. I got to look at that and remember what. Um, what the play was. I, my brain is not functioning well. I just watched that last part again, but I'm, I'm I, I don't have that recall that LeBron does. You ever see him when he does that and it goes, you know, he can do every play all in a row right after the game. Yeah. Photographic memory. Did you get enough sleep coach, Nick? I got, uh, not only did I get enough sleep, I got more than I need. I got eight and a half hours of sleep last night. Well, maybe you're still sleeping. Maybe you went to the next sleep cycle. Yeah. I don't know. 842. I, I was uh, out early and uh, yeah, I started watching True Detective and it knocked me out in about five minutes on the couch. Okay. I, I, um, I, yeah. Makes sense. I, I take it you're not watching True Detective. No, nah, I'm reading before I go to sleep. For the Me and Wemby, we read before we go to sleep. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you can't. Right, you cannot call Wemby an hour before bedtime for him, I think. Right? Oh, you, got, I mean, you can't call me either. My phone. Yeah. More than yeah, I, yes, I know you're asleep early. You go to bed early in New York, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I have my protocols. No phone for the first like one or two hours of the day. No phone for the last hour or two of the day. So yeah. Wow, I, I I'm like I wake up on my phone and I'm I, I'm reading my emails and really precious. Then I can really f- focus and concentrate. Yeah, that's that's tough because you're not making yourself the priority. You're making the priority everything that's in your phone asking you for things and things to that effect, you know, it's that's uh, interesting. I know, I guess uh, that's true. But I, but I, you know, I, if I got to take care of things and I'm sharp, it's a good time to do it. Uh, I got to do my world. You know, you know, that's Sorry, fair but- too. You know, to your point, you do have probably the most bandwidth, right? When you wake up in the morning, I would only say it's like what you're doing with your phone is most important, right? If you want to use it, you're not just like mindlessly scrolling. If you're getting some work done. Yeah. 
I think, I think it's yeah, good. no, but I, I do the mindless scrolling, uh, scrolling too. But yes, yeah, so there's lots of different things we can all do to improve our lives. Maybe we don't uh, like go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym today. I'm going to, I'm, you're all, you can hold me to it today. I'm going to go uh, this afternoon. But again, uh, at Planet Fitness, which is around the corner, if you don't get it there at the right time, it, it's like, it's just, you can't go. So I deal with this a lot in the gym. I'm sure you deal with it. Do people like come up to you with their basketball takes? Um, not at the Planet Fitness. No one's done that yet to me. Uh, okay, interesting. It, it happens to be it happens to be all the time in Equinox. Like they'll just start like and and they'll just come up and start like diving right in, like like just huh. their takes, you know, like right away. Oh, like we're, well, like, we're, it, like, yeah. like we're like we're in a show, like we're being recorded. Wow. Hey, hey, get the get the camp, get the phone out. Um, it will. I will say on Saturday. Um. Uh, somebody at the C- at CSUN saw me and it's like, hey, can I take a picture? I'm like, yeah, sure. But what's cool was I went over to that court, which I was you know working with other uh, kids on the other court, and only because I went over there to take the picture, I, I saw I'm like looking at the uh, the pickup uh, game that was going, and one of the players I coached, you know, who graduated in like 2011 uh, or 2012, was there, and I hadn't seen him since then. So I got to tell you, there was nothing. There's nothing quite like that to have like a surprise reunion with a player who, you know, you work with all those years. He was a great kid. really enjoyed coaching him. Uh, you know, he's 30. He's got a kid. He's getting married. Like it was all this. It was just he's an adult. You know, it was crazy uh, to see him. So you that was me. that was worth it uh, on Saturday, really, to see that happen and, and see him doing well. You're, you are a part of his process. You know, in fact, you could see him. He's on my channel. Like when, we, when I remember when I first started B-Ball Breaks, and I was also the head coach at Birmingham. So I have uh, we did a video, at least one with him, Andrew, out there. You can go scroll down the timeline and find it uh, of him and, you know, talking about shooting techniques. He was a lights out shooter in high school. Uh, and and by the way, the best part about it was I watched a few minutes of the, of the pickup. He was even better, like just shooting from way back. Nobody could stop him, you know, just like even better than he ever had been when he played for me. So that was also amazing. Did he go to college after high school? You know, that's the other thing is I'm, I'm like blanking right now because we were trying to get him a scholarship to D1 school, and he, he just wasn't an athlete enough to play at that level. He could shoot at that level, but he couldn't like move enough quickly enough. So I'm like I'm blanking right now for some reason. I'm going to text him. I got his number and find out where he what he did because I'm forgetting now what, what happened um, okay. for some weird reason. I don't even know why. But anyway, I'll find out. Uh, anyway, well, listen, great stuff today, Combo, as always. Um, I, let's hope we get some more great games. Um, I'm going out of town, actually, next week. But I'll, I'll be here. I won't be here next Monday. I'm going to so be out of town. Working what, what, what day will you be here? I'll let you know. It's actually a pretty exciting thing. But I, I, I'm going to keep it under wraps until I'm done because i got to make sure that it's uh, kosher to release it publicly. But uh, it's a cool thing I'm going to do um, and uh, basketball related. But then uh, so maybe we can sneak one in or we'll do it when I get back. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks all for the super chats. It was really generous and really helpful of you. I really appreciate all that. And Combo, always great to have you on the show and discuss all this stuff. Great conversation with all and you. And don't forget, uh, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? There you have it. Another episode of Combo's Court via the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube live show. Big shouts to Coach Nick. Big shouts to everyone who tunes in to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. And thanks to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Rate and review the show wherever you tune in. Shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks, for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO, C-O-M-B-O. That's right, for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. It's also a great way to support this podcast. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy and be on the lookout for episode 554 combo out